episode 93 of Strange Brow Radio. I'm your host again, Tobe Johnson. And today's guest is experiencer and all-around military badass Edward Mong, who has seen and experienced high strangeness in a way that, well, very few people have. So I will tell you more about that in a second. But first, um, I'm going to avoid the sponsorship promo and thank all the first responders out there uh, that are kicking ass in these uh, horrific wildfires that have erupted, some mysteriously erupting, in the uh, Pacific Northwest. Uh, thanks to each one of those. In fact, if you see somebody with a uniform on or they have ash on their face, just assume that you should say thank you. All right, more on Edward in just a moment. We'll be right back. All right, just real quickly, the the wildfires that uh, I just mentioned uh, are ravaging the Pacific Northwest in a way that the history books have uh, never seen before. So in this case, uh, my own hometown near uh, Springfield, Oregon, in fact, my alma mater, uh, Thurston High School, is a staging area for thousands of evacuees and volunteers. So um, if you can, just find a way to uh, reach out and um, make them feel better by saying uh, our heart's breaking along with you. Okay, as I said, um, our guest today is experiencer uh, Edward Mong, who has seen and touched the flame of war in Afghanistan and also had had a visitor um, before his uh, enlistment. But there's stuff that's happening after his enlistment, which I think is important to talk about because uh, there seems to be a, a tone coming our way here with vets that uh, have seen things after they got back from duty. So stay tuned for more on that subject matter. I'll, I'll have more to say on that in the future. But as it stands today, experiencer and survivor, my conversation with decorated veteran Edward Mong. On the line with me now is Edward Mong of Triangle Multimedia. Hello, Edward. Hey, Toby. How you uh, doing, man? It's good to hear your voice again. And oh, thank you. Yeah. So just to give uh, a little preamble here, I, I already warmed up the audience a little bit uh, on the generalities of uh, your story, and but I know that it may start, uh, every story has a beginning, and it doesn't necessarily start with one incident. So right. kind of before we go there, though, introduce yourself to uh, everybody and what you're doing with Triangle multimedia and sure. um, a little bit of I understand you're in the service just to kind of give people a little walkthrough of who Edward is yes, definitely man well my name is Edward Munch I'm uh, I'm originally from Costa Rica you know that little country somewhere in Central America <laughs> I've been in the States since I was pretty young uh, so one of the things that I did I joined the military and uh, I served I was a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne Division. And uh, unfortunately for me, I got hurt. So I got out, uh, medically retired, put it that way. Um, right now I'm running my little company, which is a filming company. You know, just traveling around the country, uh, collecting information, uh, stories, encounters, all those kind of things, and trying to put those in, you know, in a film. 
pretty much. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. Okay. And so previous to your enlistment with the 82nd Airborne, uh, uh, you had a, an interest, I would suppose, in the supernatural and the paranormal and cryptids, as most young men do. But uh, mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that, if that's the case. Sure, man. Well, I, everything happens uh, back in 1994. I was a young, young kid. And... Uh, uh, I'm going to try to open my heart to tell you exactly what happens. I mean, I still have a lot of memories. And to be honest, sometimes I even get emotional. That's that's one of the things that I don't really <laughs> like talking about my uh, my things. But, you know, it, it really happens to me. I didn't believe about uh, Supernatural. To me, it was just, you know, anything. It was just nothing. Uh, back in the day, if you get to share stories with the you know, a friend or mom or pastor from church, they will always say, uh, yes, yeah, just, you know, demons, stuff like that. So that's kind of like the people that I grow with. So I was lost uh, when this thing actually happens to me. <clears throat> sorry, my voice is cutting off. <clears throat> yeah, you're going to have to edit that. I'm sorry. No, you got it, man. We We cough frequently on the air, <laughs> so go for it. Yeah, so... It was just a normal day. I remember I used to work in a manufacturer. Uh, we were making shirts uh, for a company, uh, a U.S. company. I cannot remember the name, to be honest, right now. But um, I used to rent a small, tiny room in a house um, close to the city, San Jose, in Alajuela, uh, near to the airport in Costa Rica. For some reason, Toby, I wasn't feeling good that day. I just got up the morning. I remember that I was having like high fever. And uh, I just called my supervisor and I, and I say, hey, Luis, listen, listen, man, I'm not feeling good. I think I'm going to have to go home. And he's like, dude, you, you know you're new, right? You, you can't just not go home. And But I didn't want to lose my job, obviously. <laughs> so I tried to suck it up for another two hours. And I almost passed out in my chair. Then he approached me and he saw me. He's like, you know what, Ed, just, just go home. So, you know, I took a, a cab. It took me about maybe 10 minutes to get home. Recently, I just moved to that place. So I haven't even moved my clothing yet. I don't have a bed. I don't have a, anything, any, anything. I mean, my room is just completely empty. The only thing that I have with me was a blanket, a white blanket. That was it. It was one of those beautiful hot days in Costa Rica. <laughs> and so I, I got home. I went to the fridge, take some water, came back to my room. And uh, the first thing I did, just put my blanket on the floor and took off my shoes and laid down on top of the blanket, obviously. I'm trying to cool down. You know, the floor is cold. It feels good. So I'm just chilling there, looking at the ceiling. And all the sense, I just hear like like a boom, like a, like an explosion right next to my door or my window, I'll say. Um, the funny thing is there's not such a street right next to my window. But the next thing I know, my body froze up. 
I mean, I couldn't move, not even a finger. And I was in shock. I'm like, what's going on here? But I'm awake, totally awake. I was not dreaming. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't, you know, none of that kind of thing. So when I hear the explosion, I I see the only thing I can do is just move my eyes. That was it. So I'm looking up and I'm looking pieces of glass flying all over the room, all over the place, like in slow-mo. You know what I mean? Tommy? Kind of like that, like a movie, which is kind of weird. Yeah, it's a little sort of, bit like uh, the, the Matrix when the pieces of kinda like that. fly apart. Yeah, yeah kind of like that. So it was weird, man. You know, back in the 1994, I mean, there's not such a thing. There's not such a Matrix. I've never seen anything like that. So for me, it was just a new thing. Plus, to be honest, I didn't even have a TV. <laughs> I mean, I was a poor kid, man. You know, I didn't grow having a lot of uh, luxury, none of stuff. I can barely have a job and, you know, just pay for my food. So um, the next thing I know, I'm already shaking, man. Just that, That's what I'm saying, Toy. Every time I talk about this, I get a, like anxiety. I don't know. So anyways... The next thing I know, I see this figure uh, crawling through the window. But it was not formed yet. It's just like, it looked like a waterfall, put it that way. It looked like water or something liquid coming through the window. But this kind of liquid, it's not 100% liquid. It's more like like gel. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like that. Right. It's dropping to the floor. And there I am screaming. And screaming, asking for help, calling all the angels, God, anybody, my mom, whoever. But nobody can hear me. And I'm so scared because this thing is 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 it's a lot of stuff coming through the window. And I'm like, what what is this? So I feel my body shaking and then I was so cold. I mean my room just went from maybe seventy degrees to I don't know. I'll say freezing point. I mean, I can almost pretty much see my breath, you know, in the air. And I was so cold and shaking. And this thing right here is is crawling all the way to my legs. And it it started like forming up on top of my my two legs. And it's taking this form um, like a giant... Uh, alien. Right before the show, we were talking about something that you saw in your trailer. I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but you caught my attention when you say that you saw some uh, hands. And uh, that was something that that I, I witnessed myself. I mean, I saw these huge hands, tiny, tiny bones, long, long arms, tiny chest. I mean, a big head. That was pretty much the only thing that you can see. And this thing is just sitting on top of my on my knees, pretty much, looking down, looking at me. If you're going to ask me how tall you think it was, Toby, I'll say this thing. If he's going to stand up, he wouldn't even fit in my house. I would say maybe 10 feet, 8 to 10 feet tall. It was huge. So I'm feeling the the way he was so heavy. I feel like... I'm screaming in pain because I feel like I'm having a train on top of me right now. 
And I'm like asking for help again and, and praying in my in my mind. And and I'm sweating, I'm feeling passing out. It's it's like a million emotions going on. I wanted to escape. I want I want I want something, but I didn't even know what I want. I just wanna like get out of there. So the next thing I know, this thing is just looking down straight to my eyes. So I'm doing the same thing and I got quiet. I remember that. I got totally quiet for a second. And he raised the right hand to the sky. And at very high speed, this thing just put his hand right inside my guts, put it that way. And now I'm in pain, Toby. I feel like he was just ripping me off from the inside out. I feel like every single piece of me is just getting torn in pieces. And I was screaming like never before in my life in the pain that I was feeling. I mean, I can almost see myself getting out of my own body. And this thing is just moving his hand like right to left, right to left. And I don't know what he's doing. All I know, I'm just feeling pain. And then I I started to hear this echo like so far away from me so far away from me, but I can still hear it, like like this knocking sound. And I started to hear a voice of a woman, but I, I cannot, I don't understand what she's saying. My vision is getting blurry, it's getting dark, it's coming back. It's like, I don't know if I was passing out, Toby. I don't know what was going on at that point. But again, the only thing that I wanted to know is what is this thing? I thought it was a devil. I thought it was some sort of a, you know, legend creature. I didn't know anything about aliens back then. In fact, I never, before that, I, I have never spent my time watching a movie related to aliens. None of that stuff. I didn't believe in none of that stuff. So this echo is coming closer and closer. Now I can hear the voice. And the voice of this woman is Gina. Gina is the lady that I'm renting the, the room from. And the knocking, that's her knocking on my, on, my, on my door. So I'm screaming and trying to lift my head backwards to call her. But everything is like a slow motion. It's like even for me to say a word. It's like something's holding me down that I cannot really say the word that I'm supposed to say. So... From nowhere, I hear this boom, like huge, right on my door. Then I look at this thing in front of me. And he looked at me once again, one last time. And he dropped. Just like, just like the movie story. He dropped like water this time, like very liquid. He dropped all over the place. And he started to form, forming up again in this kind of gel stuff or whatever that was. Uh, the color of, the, of this thing was between green, blue, gray. If you mix those, those three colors, you, you will get the idea. Sorry. Uh, the smell, I can still remember the smell. Uh, it's something that I cannot even explain. In fact, I have never, ever, since then, I have never experienced to smell anything like, like it. I mean, maybe something like a chemical, I'll say, like a poison chemical. 
that's the closest thing that I can say. It wasn't like a dead animals, none of that stuff. It wasn't like death. No, not at all. It was pretty much like a chemical sound. I mean, like a chemical uh, smell. And then uh, when he started to drop and, and forming up in this jail again, he's going, it's like you just play the movie in reverse. Put it that way. I see this thing just moving all the way to the window again, going up in the window like a waterfall in reverse. And the next thing I know, Toby, I saw the glasses moving like a wash, like boom, everything just went back to normal. Now I jump in the air, put it that way, like not jumping, but what I'm saying is like I'm back. That's what I feel. And now I'm 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 reading and I'm screaming and that's when Gina finally broke the the door. I mean she broke it. And she got in and she's like she's crying and she's like what's going on Ed? What's going on Edward? Please tell me. And I couldn't even speak. I remember shaking. I was crying. I was so weak that I couldn't even lift my arms. Nothing. So she had to drag me out of there. She dragged me all the way to the kitchen. I can barely say words. And I'm like, Gina, please give me some water. So she gave me a glass of water. I drink it all. And back to the floor. She dragged, she's dragging a chair and trying to put me in the chair. And I'm like, no, Gina, I, I cannot sit on the chair right now. I can't. Just leave, leave me right here. And she was worried. She's like, do you want me to call an ambulance or something? We can go to the hospital. There's not such a thing as a 911, <clears throat> at least not back then. Uh, so we, you will have to call maybe the police. I don't know how it even works back then, but uh, it's not like U.S. Now, yes, it is like here, but back then it was a totally different game. And then uh, I remember Gina going back in my room because I told her, please go in my room, go in my room and take that, that thing out of my room. And she's like, what are you talking about? There's nothing in the room. And I'm like, please, please go. So she went back to the room and she's looking all around. She said, but she couldn't find anything. The only thing that she brought with her was my blanket. But this thing was it was like uh it was really wet put it that way there's something in it and when she dropped that thing in the floor right next to me she asked me you know there's a lot of stuff like this in the floor in your room and and I'm like so what is it and she's like even you look at you it what happened to you where have you been i mean my hair my shirt my pants even my socks, I was sucking wet. Like I just got out of the shower, you know, taking a shower with my clothes. And this water was not liquid, like normal water. Yeah, it's clear. I wouldn't say that it's like very thick but because it wasn't thick, but it is not liquid a hundred percent. So when she dropped this, this blanket in front of my, my, my legs, I saw it. I remember seeing like pictures of me for a moment in like a very fast pace. But that's the thing that I cannot remember at this point. Toby, I have been trying so hard to remember what happened. What happened in that room? What happened with that blanket? What What's this all about? 
and I cannot figure it out. So she's like, I'll tell you what, I'm going to put you in the shower. I'm going to help you out. And I remember she took me to the shower. Then she got me out. But this is what happened. When she was taking me to the shower, she's like, what happened to you? And she's crying. She was crying. What happened to you? I'm like, I don't know, Gina. And I'm crying too. I don't know. And she's asking me, please, but please tell me, give me an idea. What do you see? What was there? Who was there? So I told her, but she didn't want to believe. And I'm like, so what do you want me to do? That's what I saw. Some weird thing looking. He was huge, very skinny, very, very skinny. He was wearing some some sort of a clothes so tight to his body or her body. I don't even know what it was. He never got up. It was sitting on my legs. And and I say, and he or she stabbed me in my stomach. As soon as I say that, she looked at my stomach, and I was wearing a white shirt. I remember that. And she said, oh, my God. And she covered her, her mouth, like, oh, my God. And I'm like, what? It, you're, you're bleeding. And I'm like, what? But I cannot even get up. I cannot even lift my head. Then I remember she lifted up my, my shirt to see my my abdominal area. Uh, and I got two little holes, one on the right, one on the on the left side of my body. And um, I was bleeding. Even my shirt got like drops of blood. That's when she got up screaming. I remember she got up screaming, Ed, something really happened to you. And I'm like, yes. Something really happened. I'm not even kidding. Something watching here. So she went back to the room, and there I am, almost almost naked, halfway. And she went back to my room to check again. And she's like, no, the only thing that I see all over the place is this water, whatever that is. I'm like, please go back and check the window. Check outside the window. So she went around the house, all around the house. She couldn't find anything. No tracks, no nothing. Even the glass, she said that everything was good. So after I took a shower, that's when I saw uh, the holes that I have on, on my abdominal area. Uh, the first thing I did, that was actually the next day. I wasn't feeling good at all the whole rest of the afternoon and nighttime. In fact, I slept in Gina's room. I remember sleeping in the floor, and she was on her bed. She was pretty much watching me. And it's funny. Uh, remember in the beginning of the story that I was feeling sick? Um, I wasn't anymore. I was good. I didn't have no fever. I didn't have nothing. I was just, just perfect. So the next morning, I remember waking up, and I didn't have any nightmares, none of that stuff. Uh, for some reason, I feel okay, I guess. So the first thing I did, I went to the payphone. <laughs> I remember putting those coins on it to call my mom. And, and, I, and I called her and I'm like, hey, mom, um, something happened to me. And she's like, what is it? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, mom, I'm, I'm fine. It's just, uh, it's just the fact that something or someone came into my room yesterday. 
And she's like, what do you mean? Somebody maybe trying to break in, steal? I don't know. What is it? I'm like, mom, it wasn't a human. It wasn't a person. And she's like, there you go, she said. And I'm like, what? Ed, be more specific. And I'm like, okay, mom. So I explained to her what I saw. You know, she, the only thing that she says is, mom, I mean, son, listen, that's just a demon, okay? Uh, you don't have to be worried. You don't have to be scared. Uh, usually demons come, you know, attack people. Uh, and I'm like, mom, if that was a demon, if he wanted to attack me, then he did. If he wanted to kill me, I mean, he got me right there. Why didn't he kill me then? I don't think it's a demon, mom. And I was like getting uh, irritated because, I mean, this is the second person who doesn't believe me already. I mean, even though I'm bleeding, even though I got my my clothes full of something and even my, my blanket. I mean, and they still don't believe me. So I'm like, you know what? She's going to call my pastor. So I call my pastor. And it's funny. I was actually looking at uh, my pastor today. <laughs> he was preaching today. He's an old guy now. So anyways, uh, I call her and I'm like, hey, all her, something happened to me. So I explained the whole thing. And he came out with the same thing. No, don't worry. Ed. It's, it's just a demon. You know, usually the devil sends his demons to to torture people or give them a lesson or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Let me pray for you. So he prays. And I mean, I didn't feel any good after that, to be honest, because I knew in my heart that that was not what they're telling me that it was. So I never say anything to anybody. Never. Ever again. That was the only two times and that was it. Years later, back in 1998, that's when I got here to the States. I got here with a visa. Um, I used to work for an American guy. After I left that job in the manufacturer, actually it was just a part-time job. My full-time job was, um, I was working in a, in a hotel, in the bar. Uh, I was a waiter. And the owner was an American guy, uh, Mr. Brown. Very cool guy. I mean, this guy was pretty much like my dad. Um, it's a long, long story. Toby. I wish I can tell you guys my whole story, but it's going to take days. So I'm just trying to make it, you know, trying to make it fit. Um, story short, I was homeless. I left my home when I was 12 years old. A lot of uh, abuse coming from my stepdad. I mean, I, I was an abuse kid. He, he, he abused me, not sexual, but, you know, he would hit me for no reason. He just kind of hate me, though. I was the uh, oldest, so he didn't feel, I don't know, maybe so good around me because, you know, I'm getting attention from my mom and my family, I guess. So I decided to leave my home. And this guy, Mr. Brown, he pretty much rescued me. I mean, he's the one who uh, gave me a job. He sent me to high school. I mean, he put a lot of money on me. In fact, I became one of his managers at the very end. And that's how he, he sent me to New York. I got a job over there, uh, one of his uh, hotels. He wanted to set up a restaurant with uh, Costa Rican cuisine. 
So after my contract, he asked me, and I knew, I knew why he sent me over because he knew that, that I mean, being in the States, it was one of my dreams. Um, I told him that when, even when I was uh, 12 years old. So I guess he kept that on his memories. So um, finally, when I got here, I remember one time I was watching some documentaries or something. I don't know what it was. And then I saw this figure on TV. I remember that I was eating a couple of noodles and I dropped the thing on the floor. And then my brother, he looked at me and I'm like, dude, what's going on? Are you okay? And I just freeze. I freeze up. I was like, like a statue in the middle of the living room, just looking at this thing on TV. And he had to get up and grab my arm and say, dude, are you okay? And I started to shake and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess I'm okay. It's just, uh, it's just this thing on TV that uh, I saw it. I saw it years ago. And he laughed at me. Oh, here we go, man. Come on. And I'm like, I'm, I'm serious, Alan. I'm, I'm serious. I saw it. That, that's the guy. That's the guy. So I raised my, my shirt. And I'm like, you see this? You see these cars right here? That thing did that to me. And then he's like, man, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. It's, it just sucks, man, because I feel like I, I've been hunted. I didn't do anything wrong, you know? I mean, what what is this thing chasing me? And now it's here in front of me. And for some reason, Toby, I know that it was only on TV, but it maybe it was just my imagination. I was just looking at it, and I saw, like, he moved his eyes straight to me. It's like the whole time, everything around me just frees up for a second. I feel like I was just there again. And since then, I started to watch more because now I wanted to know what's going on. I wanted to find out what what are these things? Where did they coming from? What are they trying to do with me or other uh, people? So I bought a bunch of... Uh, I remember I subscribed to a magazine, you know, just to get magazines so I can read about them and learn about them, including, I remember, uh, National Ge- Geographic magazine because, you know, they talk about space and all that kind of thing, technology and aliens sometimes. I mean, to me, it was like not my hobby because I wouldn't call it a hobby, but it was pretty much my research now. So I've been spending a lot of years since 1994, trying to find out about aliens. Um, I totally believe they're here. I totally believe that they're here for a reason. I get to know, uh, get to meet a lot of good people, even TV people, uh, people like Nick Redfern. You guys see this guy on Ancient Aliens. Um, I interviewed this guy last year, and he actually interviewed me right after. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> and I told him my story. I shared it. And um, he told me, it. I, I, I hear so many stories around the world. And some, yeah, kind of similar, but yours 
it's just unique. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's weird the 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 way this thing showed up into your room. He asking me if I saw myself in like a spaceship or in like a white room or a dark room, and I say no. I honestly I do not remember. I'm pretty sure that I was in my room the whole time. I didn't have time to look around. I hear sounds. But now that you're asking, yeah, I do not remember seeing my ceiling. I do not remember seeing my walls. I was just looking at this thing the whole time. He was looking at me. So I I don't know what happened. I don't know where I was at that mm -hmm. time. One of the things that I learned through the years, um, I was not aware of that. I missed some time. I think I missed about two hours, almost three hours. Because I remember when I left work that afternoon, um, it was about maybe 1.30, 2 p.m. Gina, she gets out at 5 o'clock. That's the time that we got out of work. And um, I asked her, did you left work early as well? And she's like, no. Why? No, just, just wondering. I never told her why I'm asking that question. I never even, you know, say anything to anybody about that. In fact, I think this is the first time that I'm I'm saying it. Because I was just thinking and thinking. I've been thinking about that. What happened from two o'clock to five o'clock? I mean, if the all of these things happened in my time, it was only maybe five minutes. That's the way I see it. Five minutes. Maybe that's too much. Maybe three minutes. But I don't remember, Toby. Honestly, I do not remember what happened with all of this time. Uh, I remember I took the, the clothing. Uh, I burned it. And I regret it. I regret it big time because I didn't have that much clothing. <laughs> but I was so scared. I didn't even have a blanket. And, you know, Gina had to borrow me one. We we got scared. I remember Gina leaving that house. She was renting the house. Uh, I left. I couldn't stay any longer. And then she left like a week later. So those are the things that it kind of make you think. I mean, what are these things? Let me jump into something else. Uh, again, I started to research about these beings and... Uh, I remember back in Afghanistan, this happens in 2012. I was there. I did my deployment on the RCEs, Afghanistan, right next to the border with uh, Pakistan. We were doing some crazy, crazy uh, missions in that area. And um, I remember one time we ran out of food. We were this kind of unit who was moving through the mountains, uh, We do missions pretty much in the nighttime. You sleep in the daytime. Um, you know, you got to find caves or a high mountain or you have to hide yourself from the enemy, obviously, in order for you to sleep. That's the way it works. And um, I remember that time we were coming into this valley. We were supposed to meet up with another unit so they can pick us up so we can go get some some food. And we got to this tiny base. They closed it down. I remember now. 
In fact, this base got blown up. You guys might know that base. If not, check it out on the internet. Palerno. I don't know how to spell it, to be honest. But it's Palerno. I think it's P-A-L-E-R-N-O. Palerno, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that morning, we stopped by and get some food. So we were just chatting, me and another uh, two guys that I, I met over there. Uh, luckily for me, I knew these guys. They belonged to a different unit, but they were there at the same time. You know, I met him back in the States. And we were just excited. They're, they're Latino guys, just like me. They're from Puerto Rico. I'm from Costa Rica. So we're just chatting, you know, getting loud, speaking Spanish. And this uh, this high-ranking guy, he's waiting online right behind me. And we didn't know. I didn't, I didn't even look at his rank. And he, and he said, guys, what are you? And we look at him. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Because the you don't even look at the face. You, the first thing you see when somebody talks to you in the military is the chest. You, you want to make sure who you're addressing to, you know, who you're talking to. Then we saw the big rank on his chest. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is a lieutenant colonel. And I'm like, no, just uh, we're just talking about um, aliens, sir. And I mean, that's what we're talking about. We were talking about some lights that my buddies, uh, they saw the, the night before in the mountains. And I've been seeing those lights as well. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in Afghanistan. It's, it's amazing. There's a lot of paranormal. There's a lot of uh, monsters. There's a lot of things about giants. I mean, there's so many things that you wouldn't believe. So we were just getting, you know, excited talking about those things. So this uh, lieutenant colonel, he's like, well, what are you guys talking about? I mean, I don't speak in, I mean, I speak English. I don't understand what you guys are saying in Spanish. And I'm like, no, we're just talking about Area 51. I mean, if we believe in aliens because this guy says that, you know, they've been seeing some light in the sky, blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, kind of shake his head. You know, okay, that's, that's a cool topic. It's one of my favorites. So I kind of make a joke and I'm like, sir, with all the respect, do you believe in aliens? And he looked at me and he was a tall guy, big, big dude, maybe like six, five or so. I mean, he was huge. <laughs> so he, he got his close. I mean, his face so close to mine. He's like, look at me. And I'm like, yes, sir. And he's like, I seen stuff myself. But you see this thing right here? meaning his, his rank, this thing will let me share anything. So now everybody's paying attention, my other two friends. <laughs> so I asked him, sir, well, we don't, we don't really have to, you know, put everything out, but I mean, we can have a conversation, right? I mean, just like me and my buddies, we're just talking. We're not uh, putting any information out. I mean, we, we can talk with you if you don't, if you don't mind. He's like, yeah, why not, right? I mean, we're here, so screw it, right? We're in Afghanistan. Nobody knows if we're going to die today or not. So, yeah, let's talk. So that was pretty cool. So he told me, uh, you say, if, well, you ask if I believe in anything. He's like, of course I do. And he's like, what do you think? Where's your um, night vision goggles? Not like right here. What's your cavalry? Right here. 
Okay, let's use only those two for now. Just for now. Where do you think we, we're getting those things from? Do you think man is so intelligent, so smart to do those, those kind of things by itself? And I'm like, well, maybe. And he's like, no. Look, back in the 60s, that's when the whole world changed. I mean, we've been sharing information with aliens since those years. We've been trading men and women for technology. You see those cases of people getting lost in the woods or whatever? Nobody ever know where they at. I'm like, yeah, I see. Well, they're not lost. They've been taken by, by these beings straight up. And I'm like, sir, now that you're saying that, something happened to me back in 1994. So I briefly gave him my story, not so much into details. So I asked him, so what's the difference between when an alien come into your room and they just do something on you and another alien coming over and taking you forever? What, what's, what's the difference? And he's like, oh, man, there's a big, it's a huge difference. You're one of the lucky ones. Nani, what do you mean? He's like, look, man, you're not the only one in your family. Your family being haunted by these beings for generations and generations. I mean, I cannot even count how many generations before you. Maybe your mom, maybe your grandpa, who knows? They've been abducted. And honestly, the way it sounds to me, you've been abducted. I mean, I got the chills right away. I remember I feeling my eyes like popping out of my brain. And I'm like, that's, that's kind of scary. And I'm like, so why did they, why this thing didn't kill me then? Or why he didn't took me to whatever they're taking the rest? And he's like, well, there's something on you. You know, we're all different. We're, we're not all the same. We might look all the same, but we all have different things, different ways different uh, ways of thinking, believing, seeing things. There's so many differences between you and I, believe it or not, even though we might look the same. Uh, and, and what I'm trying to say uh, is the inside of you. It's, it's who you really are, your soul, pretty much. That's what it makes a difference. But these beings, I'm going to explain you something, guys. Why are we trading humans for technology? These beings, they're dying. They being wanted to be like we are for thousands of years. And he's like, look, are you Christians or Catholics? Or No, I'm a Christian. Okay. He's like, look, I'm not into religion, but I'm going to share you something. We are creation of God. The Bible says that we are the most beautiful thing he ever created because he created us on his own image, meaning nobody else out there in the galaxy or the cosmos of the, of the universe, no one else look exactly like God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Who wouldn't want to be like you, like me? Who wouldn't want to have five fingers, two eyes, a body like you do, I mean, being smart, being who you are, 
any other being will love to get a piece of you. So this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to take something out of you, out of uh, other people, to come up with their own uh, version of you. So I kind of laugh, not in a disrespectful way, but I just kind of laugh saying, so do you think there's someone else like me out there somewhere in the universe? And he's like, of course, that's what, it, that's what it's all about. Maybe there's another one just like you. In fact, he says, maybe not just one, maybe many of you. I mean, if you look at the sky in the night, in the night, in the nighttime, can you see how big is this? I mean, we're, we're nothing. Look at down. Look at the sand where we're standing at right now. One of those tiny pieces means one of you or me. We are so tiny in this universe. So what would make you think that we are the only, you know, creatures? So these things are pretty much making a lot of uh, hybrids or you name it. They're trying so hard to come out with some new versions so they will they will not die. They want to be like, like we are. That's the whole point of these beings. And we're getting this technology, night vision. We're getting, uh, don't you see how fast we can fly now? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Don't you see the weapons we have? I mean, you're a soldier. Look at you. You're a soldier, man. You should know those things. I'm like, of course I know, sir. I've seen things over here in, in Afghanistan that I, I never even seen back in the States. I mean, we were not allowed to take pictures of some planes. You know, like those bombers that you see like a triangle, they look like that. We were not allowed to take pictures of those planes. <laughs> I remember one guy trying to take a picture. And because of that thing, I mean, because of that time, they took everybody's phone. And pretty much everybody got punished. So they say, I don't want to see nobody pulling phones out. There were times that we were not allowed to even carry our phones or a camera. A lot of people keep on asking me, I mean, if you've been deployed, blah, 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 why, why don't you have a bunch of uh, videos and pictures? Because we're not allowed. I mean, how are you going to be making videos of while you're shooting somebody or while you're picking up bodies or while you find bombs or even... You know, you get to see technology like that. I remember one time I told that story to my wife. Uh, I was guarding. Uh, this happened back in uh, Sharana. Some of you, the, your listeners might know that place. Sharana uh, used to be another base, a medium-sized base in Afghanistan. And uh, we stopped over there for two days. So one of those nights I was pulling guard. And uh, it was a cold night. I remember that. I need I need to take a pee. That's all I can remember right now. But I'm not allowed to go inside that little building because it's full of uh, technology. It's full of... Uh, you got to have like a top secret, uh, whatchamacallit, security clearance to go inside. I got a secu- security cl- clearance, but it's not a top secret. So only a few soldiers are allowed to go inside. I was not allowed. So I asked uh, one of the officers, uh, sir, uh, can I please use the bathroom? He's like, 
what's your secure uh, your secure clearance? And I'm like, just just a secure clearance. You don't have a top secret? No, I don't. Well, you're not you're not allowed to go inside, but I'll take you in. I'm like, okay, I appreciate that. Do me a favor. Do not look around. I remember that. <laughs> so, yeah, we went inside. I'm trying to look with a corner of my eye and see why he's saying that. Don't look around. You guys get get to see in the movies, you know, those uh, raiders, like kind of like a 3D and it's like a glass or I don't even know what they are because I couldn't really see everything. I mean, those things are real. <laughs> I thought it was just like a movie. No, these things are real. And maybe it's just one of those things that he didn't want me to see. Maybe there's more. I don't know. But, I mean, there's a lot of things, Toby, to this point that we don't know. There's technology right now, I know for a fact, that it haven't been released. And it's not going to be released in the next 30, 40 years. But it's, it's here already. You know? So, and there's this guy, this lieutenant colonel, explaining to us, we have this technology because of, because of them. I mean, we can make things move in a very fast way. So I asked him, do you think we already have a UFO built? <laughs> and he laughed. And he's like, look, man, back in, the, back in the day when I was a second lieutenant, I got transferred to Area 51. I was there for two years. Um, in fact, I got promoted over there as a first lieutenant. And when I left, I became a captain. I spent some time in Area 51. I get to see a lot of things. Those I cannot really tell you. Uh, but I told him straight up, well, I know for a fact a lot of people claim to see aliens in there. And to be honest, sir, I could be wrong, but I, I do not believe that there's aliens in that place. And he said, no, you're right. There's no aliens. There's no aliens at all in Area 51. There are things, yes, that they're building with the humans, uh, with technology from them, yeah. But aliens, no. It's not like we have a big room chilling with them and, you know, uh, listening to music and getting lunch together. No, it's, it's not like that. It doesn't work that way. It's not how we do it. It's not how they do it. We trade, you take, I take, you go, and I go. As simple as that. That's the way we deal with them. In fact, we don't even get to sit down. Not like so humans cannot really sit down and talk to them like face to face. And he's like, it might be occasions. It might be that I don't, I don't want to get into details. But that's all I can say at this point. Take it this way. We are getting technology from them. It is what it is. And, I mean, whatever you see right now is nothing compared to what's coming. Okay. I have so many questions for you sure. here. Man, that was uh, that was amazing. I was taking a lot of notes along the way here. But let's just start where you ended sure. in regarding to the hypothesis that we're in a trading uh, situation with the ETs. If they have magic on their side which mm -hmm. they do why do they need to trade with us at all why don't they just take why do they 
You understand what I mean? Why would they need yeah. to strike a bargain? Why would they ever own up to their side of the bargain if they have magic on their side? For what I understand, uh, they also know that we are powerful. I mean, they don't underestimate the humans at all. They don't. They absolutely fear us. It's like by nature, and this is something that uh, this guy was trying to explain to us. By nature, every animal fears humans. I mean, you can see a bear. If you scream back to them, for the most part, unless he feels, you know, threatened or something, then yeah. But for the most part, every animal is, is scared of us. So he was saying, because we have the power inside. It's something spiritual, he said. We, the humans, we are so huge in this universe when it comes about everyone else. We are in the top. Everyone else around these galaxies, they, they look up to us for some reason. Not because we are so smart, not because we, we have the best technology. It's just of the fact because we are so like our creator. And, and they respect that. Well, have you I moved into know. have you moved into trying to hypothesize at all, Edward, on who their creator is? No, honestly, no. Okay, but I'll tell you something though. This is just my belief. I could be wrong. I don't know if you believe in God, Toby, but um, I mean, putting the Bible on the side, putting religion on the side. Obviously, someone, someone is out there. Someone make all of this, you know. I don't think a big bang explosion just, you know, put all these particles together and everything became so perfect, you know. Um, there's evil, there's good, there's ugly, and there's beautiful. That's the way I see it. And if there's bad and evil, uh Obviously, there's always going to be two sides. You know, it's, it's like when Toby buy this beautiful truck, man, you know, I want to have the same truck or even better than yours. I would say that that's how the aliens look at us somehow. They, they, they wanted to be on top of the game. They're mm -hmm. smart, very intelligent, but they don't have what it takes to be like, like a human. Mm -hmm. They don't have the part. They're missing that. Well, it almost sounds like you're talking about they're missing a soul. That's pretty much what I'm trying to say, yes. Yeah. And as far as the procedure that was done on you, um, if you go back in some of the lore about uh, entities that are interested in the human soul and how they try to remove it through certain areas of their body, um, have you investigated whether or not the abdomen is a part where the soul is buried. Um, what do you feel about the procedure that was done on you? Because when you described it, mm -hmm. you have this lurking 10 foot tall alien raising its hand up in the air and then diving it into your stomach and doing this grotesque surgery on you. Um, I was expecting you to be totally mutilated and look down and see nothing right. but, but red, but instead you have surgery on you. Right. So what, where you are, where are you at with what happened? I'll say, Toby, it was a very challenging uh, 
and it's still a very challenging question at this point. I wish I can give you a better answer. The only thing that I believe, and this, again, it's just my believing. I don't know if they're looking into the body or they're absolutely looking into my soul. Because if we base it on, on many other cases, there's people who claim that they have even pieces of something inserted on their, on their legs, arms, neck. It has never been on the soul. I mean, I believe the soul is in our brain, right? I mean, so at this point, I will say it wouldn't matter where they go in your body. I mean, your body is your body. It's you. It's part of you. So maybe they're not looking or maybe, just maybe, they don't have the power to go into your, your brain. I'll say, Toby. Mm-hmm. So they maybe they cannot really dive into your brain at all. They cannot dive into your soul. So if they can get just a piece of you somehow, I don't know what they're looking for. Maybe that's just enough for, for them for what they're doing. Do you feel like they got a piece of you or he or it got a piece of Edward? I do believe, Tori. I do believe that they took something out of me. Uh, I've been studying this, like I say, for so long. And one of the things that I find out, a lot of people who go through these kind of things in life, we end up having depression. We end up feeling different than everybody else. In fact, we end up getting treated differently than a lot of people without even knowing. I mean, I'm not saying that people look at you or look at me like crazy, but we're, we're just like a, like a different thing. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say, Toby. Right. No, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Well, going through... Uh, my notes here again quite a quite a list of notes here um, we set an hour aside to talk can you talk a little bit longer yeah we can talk yeah sure. okay um, the entity you're describing here sounds at times like you're talking about a tall gray but you didn't specifically say that but and then you talk about this movie you saw where you drop your top ramen noodles so yeah for some reason I get excited and anxious when I'm talking about these things, but I'm going to describe exactly what I saw, not because I'm, I see in pictures. I mean, again, this thing was just huge. I, I cannot say how big, but I'll say if this thing was going to get up, he wouldn't fit in my house. He, he's going to get all the way to the roof, maybe eight, eight to 10 feet tall, very long, long arms, four fingers, uh, I didn't see any nails at all. The neck is long, very skinny neck. Shoulders are tiny. The chest is tiny. I mean, the torso, everything is just tiny. The legs are long, long, and very skinny. I didn't see him wearing any type of shoes because I couldn't really see down because of the position of my body. So I, I couldn't see the feet. The face was kind of long. You know, the head was not round at all. It was like like an insect, kind of like, like an alien type that you see on TV. The eyes were big and black and like a V. Uh, 
style, not like, you know, side to side, but kind of like a V. They were not nose at all, just two tiny little holes as a nose, no ears. And the forehead, that thing was huge, man. That's that's the scariest thing. It was like pretty much popping on top of the uh of the eyes, you know, it's like it's sticking out. And and it was just massive. I mean, that's the biggest part of these things, and you know, it's just massive, it's huge. I don't even know how they can hold that much weight on their tiny neck. I mean, it sounds funny, but mm-hmm. yeah, that that's that's how he looked like it. And you described clothing. Uh, clothing on him. Yeah, he was wearing something, Toby. He was wearing some sort of a uh, have you ever seen those uh guys back in the day, the warriors, those uh uh the Romans, you know, when they fight each other, they were sitting in the horse and you know, it's like a protecting uh shield thing. It's, it's full of like a little tiny round little balls like metal. Uh you talking he was about wearing something similar to that. It's just like covering his whole body. It's like some sort of metal, but they look like tiny, tiny little balls. So like chain mail, like a, a slinky outfit that was form fitting. Right. Right. Okay. Almost like Kevlar, like a spandex exactly. Kevlar. Yeah. Kind of like that. Okay. But in the color, go ahead. it got a color, but it's so hard to describe. I don't mm. know if it was like bluish green. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's like, camouflating with the skin as well it's it's hard to to explain it Toby. i don't know at any time did you reach out flesh maybe did you real quick here edward at any time did you reach out and grab him and feel the sensation of the skin or the clothing Um, i i feel it yeah because uh i mean i feel the hand in my stomach I definitely feel that thing straight up. I don't know if he lift up my shirt or not, but I feel like I really feel it. And it was really cold. I mean, if you think ice is cold, that's a joke, though. This thing is just like 3,000 times colder than ice. It is this cold that it hurts. I mean, it's just the presence. I'm telling you, man, it's, I, I, can, I couldn't. I can see my breathing. I mean, kind of like when winter time is, you know, that you can see your your breath. Mm-hmm. I kind of see that through my through my nose, you know, when I'm like screaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these things and, are cold. And so the preamble to this is the window shattering, but you described there not being any shards of glass, correct? Nothing. Uh, nothing. No handprints, nothing. I mean, not even scratches on the wall, nothing. No footprints outside either. That's the that's the weirdest part. There were nothing. But this watery, oily residue left behind. Right. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. I wish I knew what I was dealing with. I swear to God, if that happens today, that will be a totally different game, though. <laughs> I'm going to collect everything, you know. Can back you then, I just want to get out of there. I want to, like, get rid of the stuff. I thought I was cursed or something, you know? Describe it a little bit more in detail. Did it have a stickiness quality, or was it slimy, or did it stink? What Describe the, the fluid. It's it's like, uh, I hope I'm saying it right. 
uh, resin, resin, the stuff that you used to put on the wood to, oh, uh, you know, what? those guys who make tables so nice and they put this thing on top of it. It's like clear coat stuff. Okay. Yeah. Like a varnish. Exactly. It kind of looked like that, Toby. Okay. But a little bit softer. It's not so thick like that. It's, it's, I would say, I just cannot really give you a percentage mm. of how different from that to water, but put it like right in between, you know. You, you can definitely, if you're going to pick it up in your hands, yeah, it's going to mm. drop, but it's going to drop kind of slow. Okay, you know? and and it's all over you. All over my body, yeah, even my hair. I mean, so you're not perspire. You're not wet from perspiring and fear and adrenaline. Oh no, Nothing no, like this that. is something else, Toby. Maybe yeah, I was sweating. Put it that way, and uh, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it though. Who knows? Maybe I even pee myself. Who knows? <laughs> right, right. Well, but why this thing is is different though? You know, sticky. Okay, that's what I wanted to get to. It's sticky. Yeah, so it's sticky. Yeah. So it's kind thick. of viscous, not quite liquidy like a varnish but yet clear right and it doesn't have an aroma it doesn't stink it does it does it stinks like a, like a chemical that's what okay. i was saying earlier remember okay. it stinks a little bit not so much but yeah there's there's a smell on it like a chemical mm-hmm. i mean when you pee it's just just pee you kind of know how pee smells you know and, and now mm-hmm. i was embarrassed i even told gina because she asked me, and I'm like, I don't know, maybe I pee. Who knows? Right. And she's like, no, this is not pee. It's not pee at all. And I remember her smelling that thing. It smells like poison, she said. Mm-hmm. So. And um, so many questions here. I want to stick with this creature, though, just for a little bit so we can get a description mm-hmm. here. You said it looked like uh, an insect, but it didn't look like... A traditional insect did it look like a traditional gray did it have the same are you describing yeah. the head of a close encounters type gray that's correct yeah mm-hmm. i say like an insect because i i i'm trying to get close to uh to give an idea of what i really saw i do not want to re- rely on pictures of of you know stuff that you see on tv but yeah that's that's pretty much what i saw you know something like like a gray it's got to be a gray. What What else? Mm-hmm. You know? But it sounds like you're describing something um, a little, I mean, a lot different based upon size because a lot of people don't talk about the taller ones. They do once in a while. It's even in Close, in the can- Close Encounters of the Third Kind towards right. the end of the movie where the taller ones come out. But have you ever worked with a sketch artist to have a recreation? No, I haven't. Mm-hmm. That'd be something you'd be willing to do? I would love to, man. Yeah. I would okay. love to. I think we can set you up. Um, so, um, okay, and then the uh, the idea of this thing communicating with you, obviously a frightening thing to see visually, but is there any kind of mind speak going on, any kind of telepathy? Is it talking to you, sending a message? Is it, what's that like? Honestly, Toby, I believe that he or she try, but because I was so scared, I was blocking everything because I can see the expression of, of the face. And that's something that I even explained to my mom. They were not ex- an expression of evil at all. This thing was looking at me like, 
like in a merciful way. I don't know if you get me. Like compassion. I saw compassion on, on, on these things' eyes. Maybe he or she feel my pain. I don't know. But I can see the expression of the eyes and, and the face. Like maybe he's trying to talk to me. I couldn't. I cannot say I did hear any voices. I'll be a liar. I don't want to be that one. But I kind of get that into my mind when I saw the face. Yeah, that's really unusual. I am taken back by that. What about... Go ahead. Oh, there's grace and there's the tall ones, right? For what I understand and for, you know, for what I know so far, the grays are the the bad guys. I mean, these guys are the ones who were made by the by the taller ones. And the taller ones are the masters. I could be wrong, but I mean, that's what I hear. That's what I know so far. And uh, I don't know. I believe if it was an alien, if it was a taller one, if it was a master one, I'm pretty much convinced that there were not such a thing uh, or an intention to hurt me or to kill me or do anything wrong to me somehow. I believe, and for what I know so far, I mean, the grace, the little grace, these things are evil, though. I mean, these things will do really bad things to people. And even though this, this thing did something bad on me as well, because I don't know how to call that. Again, I see compassion on his eyes. Well, so that stands to ask you, you know, as far as the next question here, do you have sympathy for what they do? I mean, you saw compassion on their eyes. Do you lack fear of the phenomena? Not at all. I'm not scared at all. In fact, I would love to get to see this thing again. And it's funny because, you know, every time I go hiking or every time I'm by myself in the woods, just sitting around or just hanging around, it's not like I'm invocating anybody, but, uh, I mean, I kind of say that into my head many times, Toby, even here, even here in the States. If you're around here, why don't you just uh, show it up again, you know? I know that a lot of people do the same with Bigfoot and maybe other creatures, but I've been doing this for so long now because I just want to know what happened. Why me? What is so special in me? Or what is so bad in me? I don't know. Whatever it is, I just want to know what it is. So have you looked into your own family history like the lieutenant colonel suggested? Yes, I asked my mom. Uh, obviously she's still saying no because, you know, she's so re into religion. Uh, I asked my grandma. She actually passed away a year ago. So I asked her two years ago about this. And uh, she told me that when she was young, she saw something in her house. Not like, but what is it, something, uh, grandma? And she told me that she saw lights in the sky. 
that came from above, you know, something different than, you know, like natural lights or uh, today's technology lights, whatever. She said that it came from above and she used to live in the farm and they didn't even have power back then. So I asked her, well, you saw the lights, but what happened? Did you get to see anybody like landing or like a UFO or something? And she's like, well, Ed, to be honest, I saw those lights many times coming and going to our place. But I do not remember if I ever get to see them myself or one of my sisters or brothers. So it kind of made me think. She didn't go into details. I, I don't know. What about lights for you? Do you remember anything that has to do with uh, seeing anything that would be remotely like uh, an orb or UFO in proximity to your encounter? Yeah, I've I seen lights a couple of times. Uh, I mean, real close to me. Again, even back in Afghanistan, Toy, we, uh, me and four other soldiers, we were sleeping that night in the top of the mountain. And uh, this light is jumping from mountain to mountain. And I mean, these guys, they made fun of me in the beginning because I'm like, hey, guys, look at that. It was a beautiful night. I mean, the moon is out. I mean, the only thing you can hear is just the wind blowing. There's no cars. There's nothing like here. You know, it's just, just you and the mountains. And these lights started to come over and closer and closer to us. It gets to the point that these guys were like, we better get the hell out of here, you know? <laughs> they got scared. I was not scared at all. I, I told them, guys, I believe those are UFOs. But, um, you know, again, a lot of people believe, a lot of people don't want to believe, even though, even though the thing is right in front of you, people are still refusing to believe. But I know what they were. Yeah, we just did an episode um from a vet that had a, a, you know, a strange history, especially after he uh, did his service, but in particular with the area of um, Kandahar that talk a lot about the giants in Kandahar. Oh, um, wow. Were you over in that particular region of Afghanistan? Yeah, I was in the same area, not in Kandahar. I, I was a little bit more south uh, to from Kandahar. I was, I was more, I was more closer to the, to the border. That was pretty much my uh, hot spot right there. But, yeah, I know where Kandahar is. Uh, and there's so many things going on over there. So, mm -hmm. so many things. I also hear the story about uh, yeah, the giant that these guys killed back in the early 2000s, back mm -hmm. in uh, Kandahar. In fact, uh, my first sergeant, he's still my uh, my friend. He's still in. He's about to retire now. His buddy was one of those guys. Um, he shared a story with him and he shared it with me back in 2014 when I was getting out. And yeah, he told me pretty much what happened. And I do not know the guy. I don't know him mm -hmm. personally. I know he's retired now and all that. But uh, I mean, that's his friend. Wait, so you have confirmation that the Kandahar Giants exist? Oh, yeah, definitely, man. We all talk about those things over there. We all well, do. What do you know? Well, I'll tell you what I know, man. Uh, 
So it was just a regular mission. They were just uh, trying to take over this little village for what I understand. And there were a, a, a unit of six or eight guys. I think it was six. Yeah, six guys. So these guys were kind of like us, just, you know, climbing mountains, going back down and pulling missions. Uh, and this is something normal for us to find caves to sleep. It, it happens all the time. You have to remember earlier that I was telling you about that, that we have to find places to sleep. So sometimes it's normal for you and your bodies to find a cave so you can, you know, just be a little bit safe. But at the same time, it's dangerous. And I'll tell you why. Sometimes the, the Afghanis, they put IDs inside the caves because they know that the caves are places that we might use. Um, sometimes you walk into those caves and you just don't know what's there. Uh, we walk into one of those one time, we find uh, bones, you know, human bones, a bunch of them. And I mean, you're, you're not supposed to talk about those things. If you, This is something I learned. If you didn't drop it, don't pick it up. Okay, that's, that's, how, that's how we roll over there. So we didn't even touch it. We just, you know, we pretty much sleep right next to those bones. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you don't want to be cold. You don't want to be seen by the uh, Taliban's. So it's 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 normal to find caves. Sometimes you will find huge, I mean, massive caves. Sometimes you might find things so tiny that you can only crawl down and to get in. But you don't want that. So these guys. Uh, apparently, they were trying to find a place to to go. And for some reason, apparently, the first guy, he walked inside and they saw tracks of, a, you know, a giant foot or something. And so he's calling their bodies, hey, come and check this out. So everybody's trying to climb. And... This giant, he just woke up. He was all the way inside the cave, but he heard him. And he took like a spear. And he just uh, stabbed one of the guys and he killed him right there, right away. And he started to attack the, the rest of the guys. He made like the other two, they fall from kind of high. They roll all the way down. So now they're shooting back at this thing. They end up calling for support. And... The second guy got hit by the by the giant, but he didn't get killed. And at the end, they they took him down. I mean, these guys are carrying, you know, M49s. So they shoot him, and he just rolled down and he fell. Unfortunately, the the guy, the soldier, he he died. And they end up just calling air support. They came over. But, I mean, the mission was completed already. They took him down. So the next thing they did, they brought a, a Chinook, one of those big helicopters, and they took the body. Uh, they say that that freaking thing stinks so bad, like you can imagine. It was really, really stinky. As soon as he, he wake up or as soon as he walk out of that cave, it's like it smells like death, you know what I mean? Kind of like a dead animal, straight up. But this thing was massive. You know, they say it was about 12 feet tall. 
I mean, huge, huge arms. I mean, massive, big legs, really strong guy. Uh, like a red hair and a red beard. Uh, the face, they say he was really, really ugly, like kind of like a monster. It didn't look so human, to be honest, they say. But I mean, they took him and they didn't know where. They saw the Chinook taking off. Uh, they recovered the body of the, the, the friend. You know, they they just went back to base. And they never went back. That was it. Everything happened so fast, so quick that, you know, next thing they know, they're, they were in the States. You know, they, in fact, one of those guys, the older guy who got hurt, that guy went crazy for what I understanding. So... I've heard this before about people that have left Afghanistan and have been psychologically damaged by what they've seen and dare not talk about. Tell you, it's, 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 uh, Afghanistan is a very ugly place, man. I mean, I was in the West Coast in your state back in July this year. Uh, I was there with Ron Moorhead and, um, Man, I sit down with Ron Morehead and his beautiful wife, Carrie. And I have to say, man, many, many occasions, I broke down in tears, you know, telling my stories to, to them. And every, every time I even think about it, I just get emotional. I mean, it's, just, it's a crazy place, though. I mean, everything you guys see on the movies in Hollywood's making these days, it's not even close of what we get to see. I mean, put it this way, just to put something out. A little girl, a dog worth more than a dog, worth more than a little girl. You know how many girls, how many women we found dead out there just because they're females? I mean, kids, the boys, they get, they get raped every day by older guys, and it's legal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a really evil, nasty, ugly place. Everywhere you walk, I mean, you see these people looking at you like you're some mm -hmm. sort of alien. You just land from Mars or mm -hmm. something else, and you see the hate and... Speaking well, of the well, let me ask you this before we go move on from that, from the uh, the evil part that you're describing and the the weirdness of Afghanistan, the straight up mm -hmm. weirdness of the fact that the you know the Russians uh, got bogged down in there. We've got bogged down in there, and generally, tactically, they place it upon. Uh, the loss or the confusion of war based upon the fact that uh, Afghanistan is a series of very tall mountains uh, that mm -hmm. are inaccessible and therefore the villagers have this uh, civil war upper hand on us and we, we just get bogged down and it goes on. But my question to you is do you think and we're a little off topic here from our original subject but I don't mind going here because I'm prior enlisted um, <laughs> Looking into Afghanistan, is there something deeper that goes into why we want to go to Afghanistan? What is in Afghanistan? Um, is there a supernatural uh, treasure 
or something within the land itself an answer to not only biblical questions but um, you know prophecy I will say it's something yeah prophecy because if I have to say that we went there because of oil there's no oil over there if I'm gonna say that we went there because of gold or there's nothing out there Toby I've seen it myself there's nothing out there but mountains and mountains and and that's it And bad people all over the place. There's beautiful people too. But I will say things are happening because they're supposed to happen. And I'm going to tell you one more thing, Toby. I remember our first speech from a, a commander as soon as we land that night in Afghanistan. Welcome to hell, boys. I was waiting for you guys or the 82nd boys. Now we're safe, he said. I believe in every soldier, but I trust you more than anybody else. And that makes me feel pretty good. I have to be honest. I feel good about that. That's when I knew that I belonged to one of the best units in the United States Army. And I was proud of it. Even though I didn't born in the States, I feel like it. And I love this country. But uh, I believe, Toby, that there is something supernatural, supernatural in that place, in that country that we're trapped. I mean, not only U.S., I mean, all the countries around. There's something in there. I just don't know how to explain it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of negativity things going on, I mean, in the spiritual side. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, it's like a vortex somehow, if that's the word. At any time, did you hear from... Sorry, Edward. At any other time, did... uh your platoon or unit or anybody on base talk about uh, seeing jinn or shadow people? Did they bring up those words? Oh, man. Every day, brother. Every day, man. If there's a soldier who goes there and he came back over here saying that he didn't see anything, I'm a, I have to say that he's a liar. There's no way you're going to go there and you're going to come back normal. And I'm not saying that I'm crazy or we're crazy. But I have to say the way it is, Toby. You go there, you're going to be haunted. As simple as that. Dude, I, I saw shadows. I mean, for years after I got back. I almost took my life twice, Toby, because I was going crazy. I couldn't stop seeing this guy chasing me in my own house. But I I couldn't really see the face. It's just a tall shadow laughing. Sometimes I hear him talking. I, I can be like laying down in my bed with my wife. And I have to get up and go and check it out because I hear him right there. And I'm like, baby, some, someone is here. So it's kind of embarrassing to talk about this thing, to to be honest, because there's a lot of people saying, oh, this guy's just nuts. No, no, not not on this show. No, not with my audience and not with any future listeners. And uh, the the real fact of it is, is that this is very real and what you experienced is real. And is it ongoing, Edward? Do you still see these things? I do, Toy. You see, that's, that's the thing that I don't really share, man. I I haven't said this in a long, long time. 
again, I was uh, for over a month at Ron's house, and I didn't, I didn't even say that to him. You know, I still seen things. But I have to say that, Toby, you have to learn how to live with them. One of the times I remember my psychologist came over. He gave me a pen and he gave me a piece of paper and he's like, Ed, do me a favor. I know what you see. Draw it for me. And make a note for him or for her, whatever that thing is. And tell him, express yourself in your own language, in Spanish. It's, it's cool. It's fine. Just telling about what you feel, what bothers you, why you don't want him or her or her to follow you. And I remember making that note, and I was crying. So I was, I mean, even my papers getting wet with my tears. And I'm making this long letter, like a love letter, and I'm telling this thing, please. If you're one of those that I, that I took down. Because that's that's the first thing that it crossed your head, you know. Then I'm sorry. But I learned something back in Afghanistan. The same way they they love death mm-hmm. is the same way we love life. They don't care. I wow. want to come back. Say that again. You just you said a powerful thing. The same way that they love death or that we love life, they love death. Right. Wow. That's a really dark, powerful thing to say, man. It is. There's so many things that we learn over there, Toby. So many. I mean, phrases that you might come up on your own or you hear from mm-hmm. other soldiers. Mm-hmm. This one, I don't know. I don't even know where it came from. Maybe from my own soul right now, but it's, it's the same thing, Toby. I mean, they love that. I'm not even kidding. They don't care killing themselves and, and just kill a bunch of us. They don't. So I remember this guy telling us, guys, welcome to hell. (laughs) I want you to know something. Back home, CNN, Fox News, all of those are talking about the heroes back in Afghanistan fighting for war, fighting for peace for the United States. And he's like, forget about that. It's not real. Your war is about that guy. On your left, on your right, and your left. Look at him. He make us look around. That's your war right there. That guy right next to you. Wow. It's. I want to go back to an earlier quote too that you said about if you didn't drop it, don't pick it up. But I would imagine the temptation would be there. Um, oh man! I mean, this is about. this is what you do during wartime is you take a souvenir and they did it yeah they've done it ever since the first war especially in world war ii and onwards um mm. so my question to you is did you take a souvenir i did not Toby. never no never the only thing i have to be honest to you that i was really really tempted and i almost got killed because of that it was one time that we were so thirsty we run out of water. The little bit of water that we might have is just the camelbacks. But when you drink this water, it hurts. I mean, it's boiling. I'm not even kidding. It's hot. So we found this tiny little fountain. It was the only green area in miles and miles. 
and those mountains and deserts of Afghanistan. When we were approaching this fountain, I was going to get some water. I even say to my sniper, my friend Fickling, I'm like, Fickling, I don't care if I get killed right now, but let me die drinking water. And he looked at me, he's like, Munch, are you okay, dude? Like, yeah, I'm fine, man. I just want water. I mean, you can see my lips in pieces, though. So dry, dehydrated, all of us. We're dying for a drop of water. So he's like, yeah, screw it. Let's go. Let's go get some water. So we walk. And there is a beautiful, beautiful little girl, seven, nine years old. She was dead. Somebody just killed her. Maybe an hour, two hours ago. Man, I exploded in tears, though. That was the, 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 the time that I feel so much pain and so much anger. Yeah, you... Uh, I, uh, I mean, you don't need to be ashamed of, uh, you know, crying on air at all, Edward. The fact is that you're more of a man than 95% of us right now because I know what you've been through and I know uh, what kind of soldier you were and it's a, it's an amazing uh, platform that you served under and you're a hero I mean you uh, you had a major accident too right I mean you were injured in battle yeah unfortunately yeah I got I got hurt though oh. but yeah told you that that was the only time that I was so tempted to go and, and pick her up and and pray for her fickling actually punch me to kind of wake me up and say, no, you're not doing anything. Let's go. And he dragged me out of there. We couldn't even drink water that day, Tori. Uh, but I'll say that was the only time that I was tempted. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to get to see really cool stuff. There's some sort of stones over there. Uh, I can't remember the names, man. Well, but if you guys Google memorabilia and uh, artifacts and um, yeah, bones. you're gonna see a lot of cool sure. stuff, like yeah. like really old. And there's this beautiful blue rock. Type it, and I've got. I mean, type it on Google, and you you're gonna be able to see it. These these rocks are like blue or green color. I mean, like for reals, green and blue. They're beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get to see a lot of those. You can always pick them up. They're going to shake you down when you get back to base anyway. They're going to take it away from you. But, I mean, those things are precious, though. They're beautiful. Yeah, I think I've seen these stones before. They're uh, almost like glass, too, right? Aren't they? Yeah. Are they the ones that you can see right through, like a, right. a real clarity to them? Yeah. yeah. Dude, and they're not cheap, though. They're not cheap at all. No. It's funny because uh, I remember... Uh, the last day we were in Shank, uh, an air base in Afghanistan, a tiny one. We were taking a C-130, leaving Afghanistan after six months of deployment. That was one of the happiest days of my life. Uh, our commander told us, you guys, you guys are allowed to buy one or two. He said it nice and clear, one or two souvenirs to bring home. 
So I bought of a, a set of a, like a, what do I call one of those sets that you can drink tea. You know, it's like a tiny little. Okay. Uh, you know, what I'm talking about one of those mugs. They're like tiny little mugs. They're tiny, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I also bought a, a flute. Uh, made of uh, the stone that I'm talking about and wood mix. And the sound was so beautiful. I mean, I can feel like I can bring cobras, you know, and dance in front of me if I'm going to play. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought it, man. And I'm like, man, I'm going to bring this thing home finally. So here comes the, the shakedown. And one of my uh, NCOs, when he saw it, I mean, his eyes went huge. Man, where do you get this thing so beautiful? I pay a lot of money, even in Afghanistan, you know, in one of those Afghani stores. Um, I mean, it's not a big store. It's just one of those guys selling outside, but they, they know that we're going home. So the price is not cheap. So he's like, you know, you're not allowed to bring this home. And I'm like, well, the lieutenant says that we're allowed to bring two things. So I got two things. So he took it away from me. And I'm like, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Let me see one thing before you take it. So he gave it back and I broke it in pieces. Here, take. Because I knew exactly what he was going to do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it bothers me that I was not allowed to bring one of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you feel like there's any connection at all between um, your experience that you had before you joined the service and what the experiences you're having now? I do believe so. I do believe that nothing in life, nothing, absolutely nothing, is 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 a coincidence. You know, things happen for a reason, Toby. I believe that we, the day we born, we got a blank book. Yeah, we have to write the story on, but somehow the story is there. We just have to complete the mission to make it happen. It doesn't matter where you're born, what color, how tall, how fat, how big, how beautiful, how ugly you are. We all got a story to to write down in that book. And maybe my story was to be right here right now, you know. I lost friends back there. Uh, I lost friends back in base, back in Fort Bragg. I almost lost uh, my life a couple of times, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the service. Uh, I don't know if you want me to jump into that story. Oh, as, as far as your combat story? Yeah, when I almost lost my leg and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, to give a little perspective here, I mean, you're a real soldier. You're a warrior. So give give uh, people an example of what we're talking about. Yeah, man. Well, uh, after we got back from Afghanistan, I was already hurt because um, it was funny. It might sound funny, but it's a real story. Uh, one time... One week before we left Afghanistan, we were getting attacked uh, by Afghanis, obviously. And uh, Sergeant Hernandez, one of my buddies from Texas, he kind of froze up. He, he, he couldn't do much. His reaction kind of stopped for a second. There were so many bullets going around us. And we we're like laughing. And I'm like, dude, wake up. And he, he couldn't. <laughs> Such is wrong, and I push him, so we drop. Man, we drop in a hole. I mean, he broke his leg so bad that his bone was, like, sticking out of his pants. <laughs> so he got shipped out to Germany uh, the next day. And uh, 
I got hurt, man. My 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 left knee, I mean, it got swelled up. I didn't broke it, but I, I was hurt. Apparently I tore one of my ligaments in there. So that happens a week before I, I got here. Now, because I've been gone for six months, I owe five jumps to the 82nd Airborne Division. The funny part is that I was transferring to Special Ops. I already did everything. I did the testing. I did everything. I got my points. I was in school taking classes so I can raise my points. I just re-enlist. I mean, everything looks fine for me, just fine. And the only thing that I have to do is just to get promoted. So I remember that uh, I came to my sergeant, this guy that I was telling you earlier, uh, Sergeant Franklin. He was an E6 back then, staff sergeant. Now he's a first sergeant. And so I'm like, hey, Sergeant Franklin, what do you think about my uniform? And he's like, I'll tell you what, man. Go and do your jumps. And uh, Saturday morning, showed up at my house so we can check it out. Because on Monday, I was getting promoted. Oh, my God, I was so pumped up, so happy. Well, so I did my jumps. Uh, Friday night, I got my last jump. So I was excited. This is it. This is my last jump. But a freaking storm came in. I mean, it was raining so hard, Toby. Windy and lightning. And usually, we don't jump when the weather is, is kind of like that. But we've been flying for almost two hours, flying around for Bragg. So... Sergeant Major, he uh, he make a joke. He's inside the plane. He also have to jump as well. He's like, well, boys, there's two ways out of here tonight. And I'm like, yes, everybody, yes, we're going home maybe. So the two ways is this shit right here, he says. So he opened the doors of the plane. <laughs> so, oh, my God. So we're jumping this crazy weather. Yes, we are, boys. So anyways, by 11.45 p.m., that's when uh, I was facing the door, jump off in the dark, pitch black, full of gear, you know, like an airborne soldier does. I was counting six. We were testing a new parachute, call it a T-11, replacing the T-10. The T-10 is the old parachute. They've been using that since World War II. So now they don't use them anymore. We use the T-11. It's like a square one. But back in 2013, we're still testing it because it still have a lot of issues. It's not deploying. It deploys too late sometimes. I mean, it wouldn't deploy at all. So, I mean, so many issues. So, by the only way to fix it is by uh, us testing. We already lost a couple of soldiers jumping because of the stupid parachutes are not opening. And even though that's how they do it, you have to jump. It is what it is. So I jump. I was one of those unlucky guys that night. Um, as soon as I jump, count six in my head. I, I didn't hear my parachute opening. And I'm going at high speed. And we're jumping 1,250 feet away. I mean, above the ground. And I'm like... Well, I'm going fast, and I'm going to have enough time to deploy my uh, reserve because I was rolling. So I remember uh, Toby just saying to myself, well, Ed, <laughs> this is it. This is it. 
everything is passing so fast. I mean, atmosphere changed already. You can feel the warmth of the of the heat, you know, coming from the ground. So I knew I was close to the ground. So I just kind of embraced myself to for impact. And next thing I know, <laughs> uh, I hear a sound like a like a thunder, and everything just just went white. I got knocked out, obviously. Forty uh, minutes later, they found me, um, almost a mile away from from the tower. And uh, so that night, to be honest, guys, I do not remember much. I was knocked out. Um, I was having memory issues already. Um, I got a a brain injury. I dislocated my shoulder. Um, I damaged three of my disc. Um, sorry. No, that's that's okay. I mean, you're lucky to be with us at all. I mean, you. Yeah. You defied the odds for sure. I damaged my lower back and my left leg. It was completely destroyed. Uh, they bring me into the ER. They scan my body from top to to bottom. I mean, they found a they found an inch, an inch and a half crack on my skull on the right side. My brain was all the way to the right side, so I was blind and deaf on my left side. Uh, my speech, I couldn't really speak clearly. I mean, I still have those issues, anyways. Sometimes it gets it gets bad. On top of that, my accent, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that was part of it. So I remember my doctor uh, coming into my bed, telling me that um, they were gonna cut off my leg. And I'm like, why? What's what's going on? And he's like, well, it's been a while. It's been a couple hours now. There's no blood going through through your leg right now, and the blood. The blood that you have there is, is just clogging. We don't want the blood to go to your heart because it's gonna kill you. So, which which is gonna cut it off and which is gonna give you a you know prosthetic man. You're gonna be fine. It man, I remember crying again. Here we go. And I'm like, please, doctor, don't don't do that, man. You know, I just man, I just got back from the other side, though. You know, in one piece, and you, you're gonna cut off my leg. And then he's like, Ed, you are all messed up right now. Don't you get it? You're in so much pain. Look at your body. That's when he put all those x-rays in front of my, on my face. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care what you say, man. But look, do not cut my leg, please. What's what's the next option? He's like, well, the next one will be put a, a bunch of cadaver parts, um, some metals, screws, and you know, maybe put you to, through some therapy, see if uh, if it works. But I want you to know, if we try that, I'm going to give you 24 hours only to your leg. If you can still not move anything, we'll still have to cut it off. It is, the problem is the blood, man. Don't you get it? Unless, yeah, I get it. But again, don't you get me? I don't want you to cut my leg. So it was like a fight. <laughs> So I told him they're already bringing me in. I remember seeing the lights in the in the lobby. They're taking me in, and I'm like, "Dog, please!" And I'm falling asleep. I was fighting not to fall asleep, and, he, and I'm like, "Dog, please!" 
promise me you're not going to cut off my leg. And that was it. That's the, that's the last time I remember. Apparently six hours and a half later, I woke up and I didn't know anything. I didn't even know my name. And uh, then I saw my wife and she was happy to see me. And she's like, welcome back, baby. Uh, you know, you got a, a little stroke. That's why the surgery went for so long. You almost die. But I'm happy that you're here. Oh, I didn't know that, I say. Well, I'm happy to be here, to, uh, here baby, then. Um, and I'm looking for my leg now, and I cannot see anything uncovered. So I'm I'm trying to move. I don't feel anything. I'm like, baby, do I have my leg? And she's like, yeah, it's there. So I was happy, but in a lot of pain. Even though I'm like all medicated, I, it's like the pain is really waking up so bad, and the time is just going fast, and I cannot move anything. Then finally, the nurse she uncovered my leg, and I'm seeing that thing. It's like green. It's it's like blue. It's it's dead. It's, it's nothing. It's like no hope. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this thing? How am I going to be able to move? So the doctor showed up and he's like, hey, remember the deal, man. It was 10 o'clock though, the nighttime. So I got like two more hours in a little bit. And because he's worried, he doesn't want me to get, you know, issues with my blood and maybe just just die. So finally, maybe an hour before the time expired, I started to move my toes after my wife my wife was uh, praying and, and massaging my leg for a little bit. And I was praying to the Lord, just please help me to move my legs, Lord. Come on, man. Don't leave me alone. You've been with me for so long. Don't leave me now. That was my kind of prayer. And uh, I mean... Going fast now, it took me about almost two years to walk again. It's kind of like I learned how to walk again. I went through so many different machines because my body didn't want to take the parts. It was so difficult to adapt myself with all those body parts. And the screws and the pain that I was feeling was just terrible. So they have to attach machines to my leg to to move it. Um it was it was bad, man. Really, I was in a really bad shape physically and now mentally. I was feeling so down because you know I see people walking. Uh, I I'm, I'm thinking, man. I just I was doing a hundred miles per hour yesterday, and I'm doing zero today. What am I gonna do? What about my career? What about this? So anxiety kicks in so bad. I end up uh, taking a, a whole bottle of uh, narcotics of you know painkillers because I didn't want to be here and it was really challenging though I mean they brought me in again and they clear all those things out of my body and they put me through therapies and that's when I uh, discovered that I was full of uh, PTSD as well I didn't know Um, you know psychologists and and people helping me even uh a pastor came over to pray for me and help me out spiritually. Um, it took me years, Toby, to be right here where I'm at. Well, and it's I've been, been in the woods time. with you, and I know uh, you're an able-bodied uh, person and then some. I mean, I, I would have never known 
I mean, what you described as uh, being brought from death and back and beyond and uh, the fact that you could have been a at least a quadriplegic or paraplegic. And um, here I see you hauling camera equipment into the mosquito woods <laughs> at night. And uh, so yeah, people well. should really have an appreciation not only for our armed service members, but, you know, for you and the, the work that you're doing and um, continuing on with the Triangle Multimedia. Um, I mean, you have a, a budding new business uh, going a lot to look forward to. <laughs> well, and... I'm trying. <laughs> yes, I'll tell you a little, uh, a little bit of that. Yeah. So finally, after many years, I was searching to do something, something that is gonna keep me uh, busy mentally and physically. And I always like cameras, man. So I came up with the idea of buying little cameras because I wanted to film. And since 2014, when I got out, I've been just filming little videos here and there on YouTube, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this year, um, I was, I've was i been saving a little bit of money to buy my own camera. And that's how I met you back in uh, Washington. Just filming things around. And I just finished up like two weeks ago to put my little tiny business together. I'm not done yet. Uh, but I'm trying to make a film, like a professional film with uh, Aaron Doomber, which is a friend of mine here in PA. Um, obviously, at this point, I don't I don't have any extra cash. So it's just a drink. <laughs> but uh, I haven't give up, Toby. I haven't give up. Um, so I told my friend, well, you don't have money. I don't have money. But I got hopes, man. I got hopes. And I'm going to. I'm gonna see if people can help me to to raise some money so I can I can see my dream come true. You know, make a story, make a documentary, uh, keep myself busy doing what I love the most, and just keep on living the rest of my life. However, God wants me to live, and that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. In fact, I just uh, make a, a GoFundMe. Uh, I post it on my page and a couple of social medias, trying to get a little bit of uh, help from people. I mean, I'm not trying to promote that over here. I'm just sharing my no, story. No, but I, I would like that link. You don't happen to know the link offhand or uh, look it up. But if you can't, I will, uh, I'll post it here no, on the podcast because I, I was going to suggest you do the same too. And, and with your uh, multimedia, with Triangle Multimedia, you're looking specifically at documenting what we've just talked about. You right. are you're basically starting to go in and dissect other people's realities, these strange realities and exactly. document them. I mean it's not just UFOs and uh and ghostly activity. You're looking into cryptids, so you obviously mm -hmm. have a fascination with the the Sasquatch story. I do, man. I got a big big passion for all of this, the cryptids, mm -hmm. UFOs, even uh paranormal stuff. Not so much into goes because I, I don't like messing around with those things but yeah i really like to uh, talk to people get to put those stories in a film you know i think it's like it's like getting help man. yeah it's like every time i talk about my issues kind of like i just did with all of you guys i kind of feel good right after so i think that's something that we all should do you know at some point of time uh, just put your story 
talk to somebody, uh, let it out. When you keep on putting things into your, your soul that way, it, it's not good. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it, uh, Toby, at this point. Perfect. Oh, well, that's, uh, that was an amazing uh, conversation with you, Edward, and um, I don't think it's going to be the end of our conversations because I have a lot more questions about uh, all that has happened to you and uh, sure, your bro. perspective on it all. But, again, Edward Mong, Triangle Multimedia, his Kickstarter will be uh, listed in the show notes, and if you can contribute, uh, I can tell you, for meeting the guy, uh, there's nobody who will work harder for you, uh, seeing this guy haul the equipment he hauled and uh, what he did for a month while he was up here in Washington State. And so you got my full support, URA 82nd Airborne Division. And um, hey, man, it was a pleasure talking to you. And um, stay safe, and we'll talk soon. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Thank you to everybody for listening to my crazy stories. (laughs) That's what we're here for, man. All right. Talk to you soon, Edward. Okay, bye-bye, Tori. All right, and again, that was Edward Mong. Thanks for taking uh, the chance on me, Edward, to hear the first of what is happening now, currently, in your life. You know, sometimes we're surprised as, uh, you know, people doing an interview with people were suddenly cut off guard by where things end up. And so for Edward and myself, that's exactly what happened during that interview. I will say at the beginning of this uh, transmission, I mentioned that there is a side project having to do with veterans. Uh, stay tuned on that. Sometime on or around Halloween, I'll have more to say about that, maybe even sooner. Uh, and veterans will have uh, privileges on their own just for being veterans regarding this project. And uh, we hope to do some reaching out to not only veterans, but to people that have similar Uh, circumstances like this, like Edward just described, and actually begin to do something because uh, privately we we are doing something about it. And uh, so now we're going to make it public. So stay tuned on that, and uh, we'll be pushing that together. I will tell you that uh, you may want to go Google something to get a head start. Google the website heartunafraid.com. That's heartunafraid.com. And there you will see a, a leopard whose spots aren't changing anytime soon and uh, just get to know that website bit by bit alright that's it for me but before I go again uh, thank you to anyone who is uh, volunteering or spending the wee hours in some cases 72 hours straight uh, pushing back the flames here in my own backyard This one's punching me in the gut, so if uh, you follow me on Facebook, uh, forgive the uh, back and forth here, just trying to put some awkward, awkward puzzle pieces together here. Okay, I will see you in the lush, green, rain-forested soak trees.